Hey, welcome to Summer Camp Programming Podcast. I'm Kurt. And I'm Chris. And this week is very special because we are doing a series of episodes and we're interviewing camp directors who have been successful in their virtual camp programs. Uh, so today is the first day and then Woo-hoo. we will do three more this week. Hope you check those out. Uh, so let's jump into it. In this episode, we have Laura Kelly from the Handwork Studio, Kaylee Stevens from World Song Missions Adventure Camp, and Kevin Pettigrew from J.M. Feltner 4-H Camp. Welcome, Laura. Uh, We are going to just fire these questions at you lightning round and uh and have you answer them and if we get done within 10 minutes we uh we will applaud first of all uh but we we may be able to have time for a couple follow-up questions if we if we have any right chris that's right cool all right i'm ready i got my buzzer (laughs) <laughs> All right, you're right. <laughs> okay, let's first start off with uh, an introduction, your name, uh, camp, location, that kind of thing. Brief overview. Sure. Laura Kelly, the Handwork Studio. We're headquartered in Narberth, Pennsylvania, right outside of Philly. But in the summertime, we can be in anywhere from 20 to 52 locations, depending upon who we're partnering with in the summertime running camp. Um, We started as a really niche camp doing fiber arts and machine sewing with kids. And over the last couple of years, we've expanded to a place where kids learn by making. So using their hands in learning, whether that's from robotics or fiber arts or technical theater or cooking or woodworking, we've kind of um, broadened it over the last 19 years. And we've been in business 19 years. Very cool. Do you want to give a brief overview of your virtual camp program? Sure. So our camp programs, we probably have anywhere from about 80 to 100 programs that are running this summer. We're calling them workshops to distinguish it from camp, right? So that there's a little bit of a distinction between how we run camp and then what we're doing this summer. And they fall into one of five categories, all of our workshops. And again, it is from robotics to design and build, to technical theater, to fashion, to textile and craft. And so we've got probably about five uh, programs in each of those workshops. Um, And again, kids are learning by making. So they're still on their end making along with our instructors. And is it live, pre-recorded or both? No, live, just live. Everything's live, okay. Everything's live. And do you charge and if so, how much? We do. So the workshops are $199 per workshop, and then you pay for the kit additionally. But when you buy a kit, you can use that kit over and over again in a multitude of classes. So, for example, the the um, robotics kit has five different classes. So you buy the robot once, but you can then, you know, use it in each of the five classes. So with uh, that uh, fee, are you making money, losing money, or breaking even? Yeah, I'll, let's check back in about five weeks. But, um, <laughs> the goal true. is to make a profit. <laughs> oh, um, 
No, I think what we will do is, you know, like many camps, we started with the deficit on the books from, from, you know, uh, early bird deposits that we had taken. And so, um, you know, this will be, we'll be at a loss for this year. Um, there's no, no doubt about it. However, you know, we were, we, we have 30 people on payroll right now and we're able to keep people employed. We would have been, you know, had we just returned the money and shut down, we, we would have been in a worst case scenario. So we dug ourselves out a little bit, but I would say if we were starting with a blank slate, we would probably be breaking even or making a smidge. Okay. Uh, did you have any portion of the registration fee subsidized by donations or grants or anything like that? No, but what we do is kind of really cool is we sort of wholesale our product through independent schools who offer camps. So they're out there marketing their our camp and taking registrations, and then we do a fee split. But because we're for profit, there's no grants, there's no donations. Yeah. Okay. Do you do anything to get the kids active during camp? Sure, we shake the wiggles out. Um, you know, just got to do that. Uh, the younger kids we do, we try to break it up with some movement, you know, with lots of breaks because we're three hours, three hours is a long time for five to seven year olds. That is a mistake. Um, but for the (laughs) 11 to 13 year olds that, you know, they, no, they, they just want to focus and, and do the work and, and aren't interested in breaks, but we, we, we enforce it a little bit. (laughs) And you said you had several different workshops. So how many kids total did you get each week and then how many maybe per workshop sure so um we get anywhere from about 130 to 170 kids per week um online and um in a workshop you know it depends we'll get as few as three in a workshop and we'll get as many as 22 in a workshop So um, it really, you know, what's interesting to us is this is the first year that we've offered some kind of a robotics, but again, it's a robotics that's um, involves with art. So it's, it's color coding. So through markers, the kids are learning to code through markers and colors and stuff. And then they build the worlds in which their robots living. So whether it's outer space, whether it's a community, you know, whatever it is. So, um, and those seem to be hugely popular this summer. Are you able to retain campers from week to week? We do. I, I, more, more so than in person, surprisingly. Awesome. Oh, yeah. wow, great. That's good. I think the, because it's working and the parents see that it works. And yeah. so then they're like, okay, if I've got something here that I know works, I don't, I don't want to mess with that. And then they'll sign up for another week. Tell me your ages again. I think I heard seven to something. Five. Oh, five, wow. Five to 13. Okay. So if the ages span from that you know five to you said 13 correct uh how do you deal with that kind of that large of span right you break them out into age groups so with no more than a two-year spread on any of them because you you can't the older kids don't want to be with the younger kids clearly you know um regardless of how bright your child is um you know it's more about the older kids not really wanting to be so five to seven um and then we do eight to ten and then we do 11 to 13. okay what's the technology you used or you had the campers use during this zoom Zoom. What is your most popular activity? Uh, I would say right now robotics is the number one. Any of our robotics classes seems to be the number one, which is funny because we're we're known as fiber arts. But I'm just really glad the parents trust us (laughs) 
to then say like, okay, you know how to deal with kids, uh, or maybe they just don't care what we teach them as long as we're engaging them. Right. I don't know. Yeah. Not that they don't care, you know, but, but that they're just yeah. happy to have them engaged. And, and so, um, yeah, so song. robotics this year. All right. Three awesome. minutes. What is your secret to success? Uh, my team, my team, my team who really stuck with me. They worked harder than anything to make this happen. We, you know, we shut down on a Friday and we began the process that Monday. And, you know, here in the States, you know, they could have made more on unemployment and they just, they worked like dogs. They were amazing. And um, without them, you know, I couldn't do it. Awesome. What is the one thing you learned not to do? Um, what did I learn not to do? So three hours was a little, you know, too, too long, obviously for five to seven year olds. And, and in the kind of things that we do where kids learn by making, there's parent participation that's required. And I think nobody's reading and therefore they don't understand that when they sign up. And so there is a lot of like, they're surprised at how involved they have to be, but in, you know, in all honesty to have a five-year-old thread a needle, cut a piece of paper, you know, do just about anything. They're going to need some help. So I think that maybe I would have started um, with shorter workshops and maybe a little bit older, even though the five-year-olds is the age group that's needed most. How did you market your program? Yeah. So we have a database of 10,000 names that we market to, you know, for our own, to our own families. But then again, like I said, through these partnerships with independent schools every summer, we always are working with independent schools. Um, and so they, again, uh, were probably responsible for three quarters of our registrations. Did is we had weekly webinars for um, in the early weeks where we did an activity with the kids. So it was a one hour scheduled where we would talk to the parents for about 10 minutes and then we did a hands-on activity with the kids so they could really see what we were doing. Mm. And then they were like, okay, I get you now. That's a good you know, idea. And we based on three things. It's engagement, socialization, you know, and then hands-on learning. And those were the three pillars that we really built the summer you know, the curriculum around. And when they could see us doing the engagement part, when they could see where we'd have the kids talking to one another, you know, that helps them. Uh, what are in your kits? Right. So there's three kits that you have. So a, a robotics kit, which is our little robot here, a little Evo robot here, which is adorable. Um, we do a design and build kit, which is, looks, you know, like a, like Legos, but with, with cardboard pieces and connectors. And then we have a, um, a big um, craft kit. So those are the three kits. And the craft kit is used for um, textile and craft and fashion. And then the robotics is used for robotics, clearly, and design and builds for design and build. Just one of our programs uses no kits, and that's our technical theater program. So that is set design, costume making. Do you think you'll 30 continue? Seconds. Yeah. Do you think you'll continue virtual programming during the off season? Um, yeah, I have several meetings um, set up this week with a bunch of independent schools who definitely need, need a solution. And what about next summer? Would you offer this even if we go back to normal? I don't know. Okay. That's fair. Yeah. Any you know, I, I, there's no planning. This is what we've yeah, learned. There's no, 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 <laughs> there's no point. You know, I'm just looking at a month out. That's right. All right. Uh, any time's last minute? Oh, but I was like, oh, I was trying to get it in. <laughs> oh. No, that's okay. That was good. That was good. Yeah. Thank you so much for all that. Uh, Do I get a car? 
You're in the uh, running. Yeah. Crossed. <laughs> Your name's in the raffle. <laughs> I'll wait for that call. Right, right. Do you want people to be able to contact you any way that I can put in the notes? Absolutely. We are happy to help anybody. Um, so my email is laura at thehandworkstudio.com. Guys, it was a pleasure. So awesome. nice to meet you. And Thanks. I was yeah, just yeah. going through your, your podcast site and looking at all the different ones. I'm going to go there to, with, my, with notes and get all these <laughs> great ideas. Awesome. So I'm nice. so happy, so happy to, to be a part of this. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. Right, so, bye-bye. Kaylee, thank you so much for being on the show here. Um, we are going to ask you questions, rapid style, lightning style, if you will. So let's start with an intro. Uh, your name, your camp, some some background of your camp, your location, that kind of thing. Well, I'm Kaylee Stevens. I'm the camp director at World Song Missions Adventure Camp. Um, we're a pretty small camp in central Alabama, and this was our very first time to ever do a virtual camp. So it was an experience, but it was a very fulfilling one. It was great. Awesome. And how long was your virtual program each day? We ran um, a four-day long camp. And we met for three hours each day, but our schedule was broken up. So they were only in a Zoom call for an hour at a time. Okay. Oh, okay. Okay. So was this all live or was some of it pre-recorded? Both. Um, so we started each, each session all together, the whole camp, um, with a recorded um event. So we found that was the only way that we could figure out how to do like music. Um, and music is a huge part of our culture at camp. And so we could not have camp without, you know, doing worship and silly songs and things like that. So we recorded those things in advance um, and we streamed those. Um, and then we would break off into small groups in their cabin group time. So each activity was less than 20 minutes long. Okay. Uh, now, did you charge for this and how much? We charged $50 for each family to have access to the Zoom calls and then an additional $25 for each kid to receive a camp in the box package. And in those packages, we had like a t-shirt and supplies for the activities they signed up for and lots of camp swag <laughs> and fun things like that. You weren't looking to make a profit. Did you at least break even or did you lose money on this? We did not break even. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that's, we never do. Um, all of our camps are like funded by donations. So we try to cover the cost of supplies, but expenses like our staff and stuff are all covered by our uh, donors. Gotcha. I definitely think there is a way to do it um, for sure. But um, the way we run camp, we kind of ran it like we do um, during the summer. What are some things you did to keep kids active during the virtual camp? That was our biggest challenge um, to all of our staff was we did not want them to be sitting and listening. Um, the only time they sat and listened was during our evening worship service uh, or during like a devotion. But everything uh, we tried to keep as engaging as possible. So we did activities like cooking and dance and outdoor skills and the goal was for them to have something in their hands at all times. 
Um, even down to um, when they were sitting through like a Bible study lesson, they had like printouts and worksheets. And so if they weren't actively talking or discussing or doing something with their hands, they were like coloring something or filling in something and things like that. And our staff did a great job of making it really engaging for the campers. So how many families or campers did you get for this week? We had 27 campers total, um, which ended up being the perfect number because we very rarely muted all the microphones because it was a good small group. <laughs> uh, and I thought that was going to go really, really, really bad. And they're definitely like <laughs> some amusing um, stories. <laughs> but for the most part, kids were just really good. They like, I guess, are really much better at Zoom than I am. <laughs> and so they, were, they know how to use the little space bar. And so they would like make their comment and then mute themselves. And so it was just a, a really great number, um, that 27. Nice. What's the age range of your campers then that you had? We had seven years old to 14 years old. It was a lot of fun. Oh, wow. And so how yeah. did you deal with that large of, of age span? Our, we tried to really include a lot of the things that are we're known for, our traditions at camp. You know, there's some goofy things that we do. Like we do, we start every morning with morning celebration, which is goofy, it's cheesy. It's really geared towards the younger kids. But our older kids, it's because it's a tradition, they love it. And they become little kids like as they go through that as well. We focused on the traditions and then we split them up. We loved the breakout room feature and mm -hmm. divided them up by age group as much as possible. Mm -hmm. The challenge was with families who like only had one device. So we could have like a seventh grader and a fourth grader on the same screen. Mm, right. And thought that would be really hard, but we just like talk to the parents. I would put like, if they signed up for two activities, I would give them both an older kid activity and a younger kid activity so that both of them had something that was really geared towards them. And then they helped each other. So siblings were helping each other, like build the birdhouse or, you know, the younger ones were helping the older ones get really silly with dance or something right. like that. So cool. it worked well. Cool. So besides zoom, any other technology you use during it? We tried to keep it as simple as possible for us and for the family. So we used Zoom and then we used Google Classroom as a way mm -hmm. to have more interaction after. And some of the families loved it um, and some of the families never logged on. Um, mm -hmm. But the families who did log on to the Google Classroom, they were like posting pictures behind the scenes and they were asking questions um, and they were challenging our staff to you know do stuff and it was it was really cute cool uh so what was your most popular activity with the families Cookie. 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 really oh. i think 27 out of or 23 out of the 27 campers signed up for cooking wow. we had to do four separate classes um outdoor cooking is our most popular activity at physical camp um so we tried indoor cooking and um, it was a huge hit, and that's a big part. But one of the big reasons is because we have just really great staff leading it, and they're just really fun and engaging. But, yeah, they made this s'more pizza dessert in a microwave, and it was adorable. Nice. Mm. What do you think your secret to success was? Always having two staff members in the room at all times. <laughs> mm. So we had um, – one person's job, they were the personality. And then the second person was running tech, supervision, and mm -hmm. chat. Nice. Yep. So 
And it worked really well with our staff's personalities, too, because there's an always ends up being one who's just like wants to talk and be silly. And the other one who's really great at like talking to the kids, um, you know, who don't have the big personalities. Um, so there were some kids who loved talking on the microphone and then some kids who just prefer to stay on chat the whole time. And so having that second person who was focused in on all the things that were popping up on the screen made it just run really smoothly. So I will always have two staff members um, <laughs> in there. I think any, nice. any other time you get really distracted. And but. What is one thing you learn not to do? Oh, um, so we did not know that there was a but like a, a setting in Zoom where you could. Um, so for the for the whole camp, we were sending them to their breakout rooms, and a message would appear on their screen saying, "You know, are you ready to enter breakout room?" <laughs> blah blah blah, which works great if you're on a computer, but apparently not so great if you're on a cell phone or a tablet. We spent a lot of time saying, "Do you see your message now? Do you see your oh. message?" <laughs> <laughs> then on the last day, we found out, the very last session, we found out there's a feature, and you can click this special setting, and it will automatically send them to their breakout rooms. So that was our one thing that we learned. Okay, <laughs> from now on, don't give them an option to go to the breakout rooms. Just, just force them to go. <laughs> How did you market your, your camp? We spent a lot of time communicating with our campers who signed up for normal camp this summer. Um, and giving them that option and then a lot of time on social media. And if there's no normal camp next year, will you be doing this or will you be doing anything virtual throughout the rest of the year? Oh, absolutely. Um, I think that we found out that the families love it um, and it created that community that the kids are craving um, and we are staff was available to invest virtually. So yeah, we'll definitely be doing something in the fall. And if the world's not back to normal next summer, I could see us doing something like this again, but probably on a bigger scale. Yeah, cool. In our last 20 seconds here, any last minute tips or tricks you want to share? We sent many beach balls in our packages. Every <laughs> single kid had a little mini inflatable beach ball and it had five colors on it. And we used that like as a game piece for so many different games. It's a thumb ball. It's a spinner. It's it's something engaging, and it's in their hand. So oh, wow. I recommend sending inflatable beach balls because they're cheap and fun. Nice, awesome. All right. Uh, and if anyone had any questions or anything, is there a good way to reach out to you? Yeah, you can uh, find well. You can find me on Facebook. I'm Kaylee Stevens. Stevens with a ph. Um, or my email address is Kaylee. That's K-A-L-E-Y dot W-S-C at gmail.com. Perfect. Thank you so much for taking the time to uh, speak with us, Kaylee. Thank you so much for having me. All right, Kevin. Thanks for being on the show. As you can see, we have 10 minutes to get through these questions, lightning round style. First thing we want to do is have you introduce yourself, name, camp name, location, and kind of brief overview of what you're doing. Sure. My name is Kevin Pettigrew. I'm the camp director at J.M. Feltner 4-H Camp in London, Kentucky. I'm part of four 4-H camps that cover the state of Kentucky. Um, Through the University of Kentucky, we are in all 120 counties in the state, and we typically see, you know, 
three to four thousand guests at my camp and and a summer um, and we didn't see any this year so we've been running a, a camp in a box program to kind of uh, keep keep in contact with our kids and our families and and any way we can stay in their house cool so what is in your boxes then so we offered uh, a couple different phases of boxes and new boxes and then new boxes to try and keep people engaged and buying boxes so we had six boxes they were $40 and they had various items, stuffed animals, hats, sunglasses. Um, one of them had bug spray, lifesavers. So you could do night hike type activities. And then we had a smaller box. that was just $30 with 10 items that were tiny um, that fit in a, like a VHS sized box that may age me a little bit. And then we had one box that was $80. It was a really big box with our most expensive and greatest stuff in it. So it, it varied from box to box. None of the items repeated. So if you bought all eight boxes, you got eight boxes of completely different things. Nice. And do any of these boxes contain any kind of programming? The six main boxes had three lesson plans. One you could do in your house if it was raining. One you could do in your yard. And one you could do at like a nearby park or somewhere you could still socially distance but be outside and farther from your house. So those those six boxes all had three lesson plans. Our bigger box had two sets of those lesson plans, and each box was themed for the lessons, um, not necessarily the stuff, but for the activities you would do, it was themed for that. Okay. So why did you decide to do you know, the boxes only and not any virtual camp? Uh, personally, at my camp, our internet is about as bad as you could call internet, um, <laughs> and I'm I'm not quite all the way to eastern Kentucky, but the farther eastern in Kentucky you get, the worse the internet gets for those campers and those families, and the harder it might be to connect with them on a screen. I've got uh, only two kids, um, and I realized that going through virtual school in the spring was just weighing on my wife and I, and how do you find the right links and the right lessons, and did we get all the lessons done, and how do we track mm-hmm. it? I didn't want to add to that in the spring and summer for parents that are already worn down and clicking links and watching videos with the kids. This was a screen-free way, didn't rely on the internet, just you give your kid a box and say, go to your room and go do these things and stay away from me. And that was our goal, was to give parents like a break. I wanted a break from my lovely six-year-old for just 20 minutes. <laughs> and this is what came out of it. Was, totally understand that. <laughs> how do I give my six-year-old a break from me? So, yeah. So did you make a profit? Did you lose money? Did you break even? We were hoping to, to make between 5 and $7 per box. We actually ended up selling um, almost 1,100 boxes um, for the months that we did those in. So we spent almost six grand on shipping, and the rest of it was basically uh, profit because everything else is going to be a loss if we hadn't sold it. So um, we, did, we did quite well at $41,000 or so. Nice. Um, less than six grand in shipping. So, yeah. Nice. Did you have any portions subsidized by donations or grants? So if you bought a box, you would get 5% coupon code for just families directly buying from us. Some counties and the county agents and the 4-H offices, they are actually solicited donors and scholarships and donations. Um, I had a county just about an hour from me that bought 110 boxes because the donor said, I want to buy a box for every kid in my county and I'll pay for it. So the, the agent said, who wants a box? Sign up now and ordered 110 boxes. I delivered them and that donor bought them all. So county by county, they were donors and things like that, but it wasn't universal. So what is your most popular kit? We had two boxes of the six main boxes that sold, I wrote it down, 230 uh, each of those. So our outdoors box and our games box were our two most popular boxes. Okay. 
What is your secret to success? I think our biggest our biggest part of this was we started selling these boxes in April. We were really early on this game and we stayed off screen. So it was right about April when every school was hardcore. Let's learn on a screen. And we were the anti screens. We were like, <laughs> let's go do something outside. Let's get your kids apart from the TV and the computer screens and the tablets and go outside and look for bugs or, uh, you know, identify flowers or something. So it was we were the anti virtual school. Uh, I think that that helped us a lot. And being so early in the game kind of really set us apart, I think, too. What is the one thing you've learned not to do? All of our boxes um, had the three lesson plans and a couple other pages and things like that. So we looked at like 10 to 12 pieces of paper we had to print on for every box. And the slower your printer is, the worse it is to do 110 (laughs) boxes all of a sudden. So if we could have done anything differently, it would have been like, let's get a printing company budgeted in and they could print our packets for us and deliver them to us. We got about halfway through and our state office up in Lexington at the university started printing them for us and delivering us hundreds at a time. And then we didn't have to keep running through our own um, inkjet printer ink, which got very priced very quickly. <laughs> yeah, for sure. That helped us a lot. Yeah. How did you market your boxes? Only social media. We've got Facebook and Instagram, and that's pretty much all we've got going for us. So we don't have direct contact with our campers. They all go through the county offices and the county agents. So it was just a, uh, Here's a fun video we made online and please buy our stuff. And it, it went, went pretty well. So will you be offering these boxes year round? Yeah. So we ended our box sales uh, last Friday was the last day for that. So we cut it off. We were hoping to open to in-person rentals or something and it took over our whole dining hall. So we wanted to be ready for people to come in and it's not happening right now. So our box sales are done. We are looking at winter, a winter campaign to do like surprise boxes you could get for your kids for Christmas or Hanukkah or whatever you celebrate in the wintertime. Um, so it would be uh, based on ages, like a camper age, a teenage, and an adult age surprise box where it's just stuff and you don't know what you're getting and please buy it from us. Right. <laughs> <laughs> do you think, uh, depending on next summer, what happens? Do you think you'll be doing this again? If we do anything in person, we will never do this again. Um, I I felt like an Amazon fulfillment center, just putting stuff in boxes and shipping labels and sending it out. And it's, it was fun to connect with kids, but if we could get kids here, I wouldn't be doing this. Right. Uh, Any other tips and tricks that you would like to share? If, if people are going to ship boxes um, and not deliver them by hand. But if you're going to ship them, get uh, an account with like stamps.com or pirateship.com. Anything that discounts the shipping labels and lets you print them in-house. USPS is fine and all. We saved two or so dollars a box by using a service. And that was when you wow. do a thousand boxes, that added up very quickly. Mm. So it's it definitely worth it. What do you say? It was print, printship.com? Uh, there's one that's pirate ship and pirate there's ship. one that we use. We use stamps.com, but I've, as I read through comments on Facebook of other people that do this, Pirate Ship was the other one that kept coming up as well. Cool. We turned our dining hall into an assembly line, so having that dedicated space and then having a system to print labels was very valuable. Yeah. Uh, if listeners would like to contact you with any questions, what's the best way? Should uh, Email me is probably the best bet, despite our lack of great internet. Uh, in, email is the best bet. Uh, my email address is Kevin. Dot Pettigrew, P-E-T-T-I-G-R-E-W, just like Harry Potter character, uh, at UKY.edu. 
the worst Harry Potter character. <laughs> he really is. I just keep reminding people, like, I was here first. Like, I'm in my 30s. Those books are not that old. Like, right. I should get more credit. Peter sucks. He's basically just a human rat. Anyway. At least your first name is not Peter. It could be. Yeah, it could be that's any worse. True. That's true. Yeah, that's true. Um, okay, so we got through our lightning round of questions. Uh, I think Chris has a couple of extra questions for you. I do. Where did right. you, like, so your boxes that you ordered the, the actual cardboard or even like the stuff went in them where did you get all that stuff from the physical boxes were from usps and stamps.com they give you a flat rate boxes free they just you order them in tens or 25 packs ship them right to you for free and then they make back their money when you buy their postage so it just kind of staying ahead of that it took about a week to get the boxes in so as long as we had enough time uh, with the set we had we didn't have to order more the stuff we spent i don't know, like a hundred and some odd thousand dollars on our country store products in the winter and spring because we have a camp store at the four camps and we also have an online store that we ran all this through um, and we had stocked up expecting a full summer and we didn't get it so it was a matter of trying to sell the stuff we bought try and make back some of that money nice awesome. that's our 10 minutes thanks thank you so much uh sure. I-, I almost said peter pettigrew Oh my gosh. <laughs> Thanks, Kevin. Now it's in his head. Now it's in his head. He's not going to forget it. <laughs> no, thank you, Kevin. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's great. You're the only person that we have on this week that solely did boxes. And so it's neat to hear that idea and that side of things. Sure. Absolutely. Well, that was great. Uh, we had our first three directors and I learned a lot. What about you, Chris? Oh, Ton of good stuff in there. I, I'm ready to do virtual camp again. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I think that's it for the first day. Make sure that you join us for the rest of the week where we will be yeah. talking to other camp directors and doing the lightning round questions. Awesome. Well, from around the campfire, this has been Kurt and Chris. Thanks for listening. See ya. <laughs>